Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So if I'm bad, then bad things happen. If I'm good, then good things happen. They need that to be intact because they're in control now. But if that's not how it is and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, well, then now I'm not in control. I can't control whether good things or bad things are going to happen. Because then it sounds like only God is in control and only God is sovereign. And that's the point. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Job's friends believed that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Pastor J.D. explains to us that when they saw Job suffering, they could not believe he was being put through such pain for no reason. Surely he deserved it all somehow. Today, we're taught why they were wrong to think this way. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Job chapter 24 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Listen, if I had my choice, when this is all said and done, to go through the sufferings of this life, which Paul said are not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits in the end, when it's all said and done, in the end, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Don't forget, it is so important to remember that Job is resolute when he says, when he declares with all of his heart, though he slay me, yet will I praise or trust him Though he slay me, no matter what he does to me, I'm going to trust him. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to trust him. This doesn't seem fair. I'm going to trust him. Yeah, but the the wicked are prospering and the righteous suffer. Yeah, but I'm going to trust him. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust him because I know how it ends. I know their end and I know my end. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, He will be standing on the earth, though my heart and my flesh will fail. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, Job challenges all men to contradict what he affirms, that the righteous may be greater sufferers, and the wicked may for a while prosper, but that God will, in the end, overthrow the ungodly and establish the righteous. In the end. Not now. Not now. God, why don't you bring about swift justice now? Oh, no, I will. Why not now? No, no. You'll see. In the end. You'll see. 
their end. And oh, by the way, you'll see your end too. And oh, by the way, your end way more better than their end. In the end. Chapter 25. Short chapter. Thank God. (laughs) Then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, You'll forgive me, this is just laughable. Dominion and fear belong to him. He makes peace in his high places. Is there any number of his armies? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then, verse 4, can man be righteous before God? (laughs) Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man (laughs) who is a maggot and a son of man who is a worm. Listen, I'm not in the mood anymore, uh, especially with this Bildad, okay? And if you're anything like me in a sanctified way, uh, you pretty much had it with this guy. And here's the good news. We're done with this guy. Uh, By the way, we're not only done with him, we're done with all three of these guys. This is it. They're done. Not a moment too soon. This is the last that we hear of Job's so-called friends. And it ends with Bildad again rebuking Job, falsely accusing Job, and he's repeating the now tired arguments. They've been said by all three of them over and over again in a variety of poetic ways, all basically saying the same thing in a different way. Job, you're a hypocrite. Job, you're wicked. Job, you're evil. Job, you have unconfessed sin. Job, God is punishing you justly. Job this, Job that, Job this, Job that. And remember now the motivation behind it. They need this to be true about Job. Think about this. This is important. They need Job to have unconfessed sin in his life as the explanation for all of this suffering in his life and this punishment from the hand of God in his life. Because if Job is really innocent, then think about what they're thinking, because they're thinking, wait a minute, um, this could happen to us. And that can't happen. So they need to keep their faulty theology intact. Because if their theology is incorrect, then this seemingly unjust suffering on an innocent Job could just as well have been on them in their innocence too. See, they need God to be tit for tat. They need this cause and effect, insert tab A into slot B theology to be true. So if I'm bad, then bad things happen. If I'm good, then good things happen. They need that to be intact because they're in control now. But if that's not how it is and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, well, then now I'm not in control. I can't control whether good things or bad things are going to happen. 
Because then it sounds like only God is in control and only God is sovereign. And that's the point. You know, one of the things I am learning is that all of us, to one degree or another, are control freaks. Now think about it. it. How much time and effort do we spend on our parts to take control of our circumstances? We don't like to be out of control, right? Because that's unnerving. Because if we're not in control, we don't know what what could happen. Well, then isn't that a problem? Because isn't God in control? That doesn't mean that we're just, you know, these innocent bystanders that are going to be victimized by this God who is in control. No, God is to be trusted. He's in control. He's sovereign, but he's good. As Asaph in Psalm 73, here's what we do know. (laughs) I don't know why the wicked can prosper and seemingly, you know, have this life that is blessed even though they're wicked, but God is good. This is what I know. And I know that God is in control, and I know that God will have the final word. In other words, it's out of their hands. It's only in God's hands. Listen to what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, without argument, Bildad made it perfectly clear that in his mind the guilt of Job was established. I mean, to their last breath, everything all three of them said was basically this, Job, you're guilty as charged, and that's why you're being punished. He goes on, the brevity of this speech of Bildad is in itself suggestive as it shows that even though Job has not convinced these three friends of his that their philosophy does not include his case, he has succeeded in silencing them. Ah, in other words, (laughs) Job wins. I mean, he's going to win in the end anyway. And oh, I can't wait until we get to, I want to say it's about chapter 42-ish, heavy on the ish, when God just bursts on the scene, finally, (laughs) and sets the record straight. Oh boy, does, does he have some words for these guys. I can't wait till we get there. Um, we need to pop some popcorn because it's going to be really, really fun to watch. You'll, you'll forgive me. <laughs> Oswald Chambers, I mentioned at the beginning of our study through Job that I was going to borrow heavily from his commentary on the book of Job titled, Baffled to Fight Better. And here again, I think Chambers says it best. He says this, Bildad is in touch with nothing. <laughs> He is courageously heartless. He never thinks when he talks, but simply pours it out. The Bildad type, and I, and I, I gotta preface this by confessing this. This is directed at pastors like myself. Listen to what Chambers says. The Bildad type is often met with in the pulpit. Men roll out phrases and talk the most ponderous stuff 
with nothing in it. <laughs> I, I hope that I don't do that. In other words, <laughs> we pontificate like Bildad. Oh man, we've got our, we're, we're so sure, we're so right. Our theology is so tight and we stand behind the pulpit. Better said, hide behind the pulpit. I'm really getting convicted just even describing this. We hide behind the pulpit and we pontificate. And yet our words mean nothing. They carry no weight. They are of no consequence. We are in touch with nothing. We just like to hear ourselves talk. Have you been watching these uh, congressional uh, hearings? You know, I <laughs> probably shouldn't have gone there, but I already did too late. But it, both with Mark Zuckerberg and then most recently with um, Mike Pompeo, who by the way is a Christian. So I, I can only stomach, you know, so much of it. Because some of these guys, I'm convinced, and I, and I, I only say this very humbly, very candidly, because I never want to be like that, where they just, they're not even really asking relevant questions or good questions. They just want to hear themselves talk. And they're playing to the cameras. And they're trying to make a, a soundbite and a, and a, a news uh, story so that everybody's talking about, they're making it about them. I, I'm, there's somebody in my, I'm not going to mention the name. It's not necessary. See me after. I'll be more than happy to tell you who I'm talking about. But I just, I just sit there and, and I, and I'm, and what did what you just said have to do with anything? What are you even talking about? What is even the relevance of the words that came out of your mouth? They mean absolutely nothing. They have no bearing on the matter at hand whatsoever. And this is what <laughs> basically Bildad was doing. What you're saying means absolutely nothing at all. You just like to hear yourself talk or what? Because what you said is of no value whatsoever. You couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. You're just warming up these leftovers and the taste is gone. <laughs> There's nothing there anymore. And yet you insist on continuing to talk. One commentator said it this way. I like this and we'll move on to chapter 26. He says, on this disgusting <laughs> and hopeless note, the words of Job's friends end. Listen, I, I don't want you to get uh, too excited. We're not really quite out of the woods yet. <laughs> Somebody else is going to burst on the scene, and he's going to start accusing everybody, Job's three friends and Job himself. So we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, you have to come back uh, in the following weeks when we <laughs> get to that. Chapter 26 but Job answered and said, now he's going to respond to Bildad. How have you helped him who is without power? How have you saved the arm that has no strength? By the way, I'm, I'm emphasizing a certain word because that can change the whole complexion. 
of what somebody's saying, right? So you can emphasize, how have you counseled one? Or you can emphasize, how have you counseled one? Or you can emphasize, how have you counseled one? You see how that can change the whole kind of complexion of what's being said? I say that to suggest this. I think the emphasis is on the word you, because now he's addressing very directly Bildad. So how have you counseled one who has no wisdom? And how have you declared sound advice to many? To whom have you uttered words? And whose spirit came from you? The dead tremble, those under the waters and those inhabiting them. Sheol is naked before him, and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north, verse 7, over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters. At the boundary of light and darkness, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power, and by his understanding he breaks up the storm. By his spirit he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, are the mere edges of his ways, and how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Here, here Job is initially responding to Bildad, but then he sort of turns a corner, and it's like he's giving his closing argument. It's almost like Job senses that they've kind of run out of steam. And again, not a moment too soon. So it's kind of like he's saying, okay, <laughs> you're done talking. Now I'm going to talk. And I'm going to have the final word. And certainly God's going to have the final word. And by the way, uh, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to represent God and talk for God in this way? Chapter 27. See, we're not doing too bad here. Moreover, Job continued his discourse, and by the way, this is going to go on for a bit, and said, As God lives, who has taken away my justice? And the Almighty, who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me, and the breath of God in my nostrils, listen to verse 4, my lips, still intact, will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. By the way, you got to know that Job, that Job is being watched by Satan very closely. See, Satan is not all-knowing, so he does not know what God, who is all-knowing, knows. See, God already knows that Job is not going to curse him. Satan doesn't know that. 
He's waiting and hanging on every word of Job, just waiting for just even a hint that he's about to utter those words that he longs for Job to utter in his cursing of God. And you got to know that when Job speaks these words, he's realizing, hmm, I don't think it's going to happen. This does not sound like a man, in spite of everything that I've done to him, with God's permission no less, despite all of his unthinkable and unspeakable suffering, this does not sound like somebody who's going to curse their God. Verse 5, far be it from me that I should say, you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. Good for you, Job. He's standing his ground. He knows he's righteous before God. He knows he's right and they're wrong. I will never give in to you just for the sake of getting you to stop by saying, okay, fine, you whatever, you're right. No, you're wrong. I'm right. And I will go to my dying day on my deathbed. I will never utter from my mouth what you accuse me of because it's not true. He's standing in his integrity. By the way, there's something here that is very important to notice. Purity brings power. Notice the power. Notice the power, the maybe better said, the confidence and the strength of Job's resolve. And even as he communicates with particularly build that. It's really directed at all three of them anyway. Someone talking as confidently in their integrity as Job is, that can only come from somebody who is walking in integrity. If he wasn't walking in integrity, if he wasn't walking in purity, he doesn't have this kind of boldness. He doesn't have this kind of strength. Let me say it this way. I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to put a formula together here, but purity equal power. Thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of Job has blessed you and given you hope in the midst of your own life struggles. If you'd like to hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. There you'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Are you a part of a church family? The Bible urges us to find fellowship with other believers, not only for purposes of community, but also for the health of your own personal spiritual walk. You too can contribute valuable and unique gifts to the body of Christ, giving support in the ways God has designed you to. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd be thrilled to welcome you to our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
Our weekly services are on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator, all while getting to know each other better through Christ's love. Location information and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. We're excited to share this time with you in person, and we're so glad you spent time with us here today on In Spirit and Truth. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word and follow His path for your life. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from the book of Job when you tune in next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 